Hey, welcome. Welcome to SOMA. It's, uh, it's uh, a, a smaller night, so like Brandon said, welcome to SOMA Intimates. Um, you guys don't know that joke. That's the joke. Sells underwear for ladies. Um, can we cut that out of the podcast, Brandon? Thank you. Hey, um, I'm Derek. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, um, I'm sure I will at some point. Um, so a quick story about who I am, and then uh, this, is a, this is like family time, so I'm going to share my family with you in a second. Not quite yet. Um, but so I used to do Saturday Night Wildlife. Yeah, really. Now, if you guys know Tim Schoen, okay, the intern before Tim was me, okay, and just like many of you in college and that kind of early 20s age, you're kind of like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and all of a sudden you have like a freak out moment. Um, we called it a mid-college freak out, my wife and I have labeled it, and um, I had a crisis of something, I was trying to remember why, and so I was interning here for about a year, and I was like, I have to quit unexpectedly, and I think I had this crisis of like, I'm not good enough in Jesus. That was a freebie, that's not anything on the notes or anything. But um, anyway, but all to say, so I used to do Saturday Night Wildlife, and um, Mario was one of our guys, and Vince was not even, he was just a little kid who would just be like, and he would come in, and he'd all smile, and he'd bounce in after, and I think that was still in the pizza days, right? There was pizza on every Saturday night, and there was a Michi's, and it was the best, and I was, I mean, kind of the worst thing that would happen is you'd go, hey, let's go to dinner after, but you'd get all the pizza, and it was like, Tim, let's go, and he's like, I'm just going home, bro, we got to go back to church tomorrow. I was like, you're so... um, so we're responsible, and I was so not responsible. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm Derek, Derek Signs. Now, I'm going to share a little bit of my family with you. My, my wife's here. Uh, she's in the back. Her name is Mel. We met, uh, we met here at Rocky Peak, um, and <laughs> um, we went to— uh, I started dating when we were 17 years old, and we got married when we were 23. Um, and we got married in the large auditorium, and Michael, Michael Yearly, not Mike Yearly, don't make that mistake. They'll, they'll break your kneecaps. But Michael married us. And, um, and it was awesome. And this is back in the day, uh, they used to have this wedding court. It was basically before, it was like in the land before, like we found all these awesome younger people, um, especially like a, a Kelly Neal, if you ever met her before, she's like the best. Okay. So before, in the land before Kelly Neal, okay. And even a land before like Lauren Laporta, okay. Before Lauren was Lauren, okay. We had this wedding coordinator from the old school and she was like from old country a little bit. And she was very old, very mean. And she made us use menorahs at our wedding for the candles. Very weird. Again, another free story. But let me share uh, some photos of, I have some family photos here. We don't have a kid yet. We have a little girl on the way, end of April. But this is our little love of our life right now. Um, This is Sig. Aww. Okay, and this one's, okay, well, let's just stop right here. This is classic Sig right here. This is Sig, right? Okay. Now, if you have a, uh, anybody own a cat or grew up with a cat? Anybody, any cat people? Yeah. I'm not a cat person, although I own a cat. We always had dogs growing up. A single dog, not many dogs be weird, okay? But I don't really like cats, and they, honestly, most of them scare me. But she's, like, very small. She's half minx, so she's hypoallergenic. She won't make you sneeze. And she's got this little tiny body, and it's like, mm, and these little tiny legs, because that's her breed. And she has a docked tail. And he goes, what happened to her tail? She lost it in the war, man. <laughs> and, um, no, but she's just this little tiny nubby thing, and it moves like a normal cat's tail, except it's very short. It's very funny. But this is a classic Sig look. This is like the during the day look. She's eaten. We probably played. Her favorite toy is a measuring tape. So we probably played the measuring tape. She's um, made a real big evil smelly thing I've had to clean up in her little box. And now she's chilling. And her tongue just, just can't seem to stay in her mouth. It's just so cute. All right. And then I think there's one more picture that I just, 
Oh, this is it right here. This is the little devil photo. But you can see how her, you can see how her legs are so short. She's just like, does this fold right in? She's like a little tiny plane. Little just like, and we're, we're putting the wheels up right now. We're going to take off. Oh, so I just want to share those pictures with you guys. Just so you uh, kind of understand me a little more. If you want, and just like to rep myself, um, if you want to see more cat pictures, follow me on Instagram. The Derek Signs. You will, I, I only put cat photos on right now. Um, because I'm in between jobs and future employers look at your social media. That's a fr- another free tip, college students. All right, very good. Okay, like, get rid of these pictures. I'm done with them, Tori. Thank you. You're the best. All right. So, hey, um, we're continuing in Daniel. Um, if, you've, if you've read Daniel or even come on Sunday nights, um, you've probably heard at some point from somebody up here that the book of Daniel is in the Old Testament, all right? And uh, we think that Daniel wrote it. And it's... Um, if you consider the whole book like a TV uh, series or even a season, every chapter is like an episode, okay? Uh, chapter one, uh, gosh, the, the kids get kidnapped. The AP kids get scooped up. They're the best and brightest, okay? Best and brightest get scooped up by Babylon. And um, they say, hey, eat this food. It's been sacrificed to Marduk or whatever. They say, well, we'll not eat the king's food. We'll just eat vegetables. And it wasn't a dietary thing like we're going to like, I'm a vegan or something now. Um, and because if they were vegan, you'd, they would say it a lot more. Um, oh man, yeah, I get the same pump as you with no meat, bro. Yeah, doubtful. Anyway, so, um, anyway, oh man, I love you guys. You're so cool. So much the best. Um, so, uh, they, yeah, so they come in, we won't eat the meat or we'll eat vegetables and they do the best. They do, they, they excel. They do very well. Um, and the they, of course, is Daniel and his three buddies, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they have Jewish names before that, but they're taken away. And actually, did you know this? If you actually, um, and you don't have to turn there, but if you looked, if you were to look back at, um, gosh, in chapter two, um, in verse four, it says, everybody starts speaking in Aramaic. Literally, the author, which we think is Daniel, uh, switched to Aramaic, okay, to kind of represent like, this is, we're like, really, like, God's people are in exile. Like, the, lang- the language you're even reading this in is different. So, they're in exile. And the only, the only four who stand out are Daniel and his three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, uh, episode one, they eat the vegetables. Episode two, king has a dream. He says, I will destroy you and your house and your family unless you tell me my dream and interpret it for me. And he gets uh, kind of all the king's horses and all the king's men. He gets the astrologers and his um, Wicca guy or gal, Wicca's for ladies, whatever. And um, you guys know what Wicca is? Or no? Okay, it's like witchcraft. Anyway, stop right there. Uh, you can Wicca- Wikipedia it later. Ah, very good. And, um, and he gets all the people together and they say, we can't do it. They go, we can't know anything. Only God can know this, right? And he goes, well, I will kill you unless you figure it out. Nobody can do it. Daniel, of course, goes to God and he says, God, we need you to come through. God comes, up, comes, God comes through in a very powerful way. Shows him the dream, interprets it. Interprets it. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar, um, and the real, if you read through the whole book of Daniel, you very quickly realize the king, especially Nebuchadnezzar, is almost a comedic figure. He's always like, I will kill you and all of you, blah, and making just uh, totally asinine sort of requests. So if you ever had a really bad boss or a really crazy um, person related to, I hope my parents never listen to these, by the way. They will just be so ashamed of me. But, um, but you know, uh, so or a crazy mom or dad, okay, at home, and you're like, man, they're just, like, out of control. That's <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. And, um, and he's a complete control power freak as well. So if you think you have it bad, Daniel had it worse. So um, 
so Daniel figures out, he goes, God help, and God comes through, and again, the four excel, and they get promoted. And what we see is at the end of chapter two, they are, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are promoted into sort of administrative positions, okay? They are put into positions of sort of um, governance and leadership, okay? Um, and, and that sets us up for chapter three. Now, in chapter three, our next little episode, it's very exciting. Brandon started it last, uh, last week, and he talked about idolatry, which is awesome, by the way. I thought that was super sweet, um, totally worth the podcast. Um, and um, in sitting for chapter three, uh, we come into another situation. And what happens is this. What happens is this. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, uh, I'm going to set up a golden idol. You may have heard this from when you were in Sunday school. And he goes, you must bow down to it, and if you don't, I'm going to fry you. Okay, again, comedic figure. I will destroy you all, all right, if you don't bow down to my idol. <clears throat> and we're going to see what happens tonight. But before we get into that, um, what, what I want to frame our talk tonight is, uh, is wait, how do, I, how do we even speak English? Uh, I want to frame our talk tonight with this. Uh, let's do a slide, probably. Yes, here we go. Well, uh, what will it take to influence our culture, okay? Now, f- frame that in your mind, okay? Because here you have Daniel, you have Shadrach, you have Meshach, and Abednego. They are, um, they're in a foreign culture. They have, um, you know... <laughs> they don't go to their same church. They don't work at Chick-fil-A. They certainly don't get work off on Sundays, okay? Chick-fil-A's awesome. God bless America. Yeah, dude. So good. Um, <clears throat> we'll take it influence our culture. Um, this is a very critical question, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. If you're anything like me, you get very, um, you have a lot of opinions. And so you go on social media, and you'll see things on social media. And you guys even, I don't even know, you guys are probably, you guys even Snapchat. Snapchat's usually for the devil and stuff. But, um, well, not the devil, just the people, okay, well, sure, just really awesome at it. But um, all the people, just a quick sign on Snapchat, all the people I ever uh, knew that really were into it were all the, rep, my, um, the people I worked with at restaurants, and they just showed me the most heinous things ever on Snapchat. So anyway, but maybe you're on Instagram or whatever, but um, and maybe you're still on Facebook. You never comment or post because you don't want anybody to know you're still on there because your mom's on there and your grandma and everybody else. My mother-in-law's on there, and then that, that's when I knew Facebook's dead. But um, it's like, that's dead to me. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Cat photos, remember? All right, so if you're on Facebook, you'll see people, and, um, and this isn't necessarily bad, but they'll, put a, they'll change their, their, their profile photo, right? And it'll be like the thing, like, save the, the Christians that are persecuted throughout the world. Or you'll see people go, I don't usually post this, but I've had enough. <laughs> we used to be a country of morals. Found on Christian principles, all right? Great. Something else people do all the time, and if this is you, I'm sorry. Not really. Um, you, you know, you post things that, are like, that look like foot, the footprints poem and stuff on your, on your thing. You see people do this all the time. Um, and if it's you, whatever, then you're awesome. But, um, and it's like, they get, and it's like, God is the da-da-da, and he's the best, and here's a verse. Or something that sounds like a verse, but it's really not. And you're like, that's not in the Bible, and that's not even a biblical idea. Someone should really rebuke them in the Lord. <laughs> but um, I'll let their life group leader deal with it. Um, but here's the deal. The reason people do that, I think, is because they want to exert influence. They want to exert influence. They want to exert influence on the culture broadly. They want to exert influence with their little friends list on Facebook, okay? Um, it's the same reason maybe some, occasionally you'll see on the news there'll be uh, picketers, uh, and there'll be, there'll be Christian picketers, right? And they'll have signs, and ah! And if you've ever been to Las Vegas, um, if you haven't been, there's really not a reason to go, but if you ever go, um, you'll see a lot of the time you'll see Christian people or well-meaning Christian people, you'd think, and they have signs and they want to influence the culture. And they have a sign that says you're all going to hell or something like that. Or like, Jesus saves! Or if you look at any sporting event, ah, I didn't think of it this morning. Look at any sporting event, John three sixteen. Do you, you, you see these things? Okay, yes? Yeah? Okay. 
They're trying to influence the culture. Here's the deal. That's why this is a critical question. What will it take to influence the culture? How can we influence our culture? And then even, uh, that's kind of a macro, like the American culture. But how can you influence the, um, your, what I call your areas of influence? Um, you know, it's uh, your family, if not everybody's saved. It is your friend group that you might have um, who maybe, maybe they're nominally Christian. Maybe you grew up in youth group with them, but they just don't really live that way. Um, it is the study group at school. It's your coworkers. Okay, your area of influence. How can, you, how can you influence those people for God, for their good, and for the glory of God? And maybe so, so one day they might even come to know Jesus. How can you influence those people? We're going to learn that tonight from this story, from Daniel 3. You excited about that? I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, dude. Hey, let's pray real quick. Did I, did I pray at the top? I didn't. I never do. God, um, hey... I'm going to talk to you right now. Um, Father, you're awesome. Lord, as we, as we get into this talk, I ask that I would be, I'd be very clear. I would not read too fast. Lord, that we would um, come, uh, come away with an appreciation for your word. Lord, we would uh, come away with a, a deeper understanding of your word. Uh, Lord, I, I also ask that we would be um, inspired and kind of pumped up, God, because this is, um, these stories in Daniel, God, they're, they, they are really meant to pump us up. So I ask that we would get pumped uh, for you. Love you. Amen. So, um, Nice. Uh, the lighting change, that was so sweet. So uh, we're going to read through the story, Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to read probably pretty fast, but it's going to be awesome. So Daniel chapter 3, got your phone, got a Bible. I'd probably get it out because you want to follow along. Um, if you are using the uh, English Standard Version, your Bible, your Bible will say bagpipes. Very fun. Bagpipes? Yes, indeed. And um, Dane, had, Dane read the first part last week. I'm going to read it again to catch us up. Sound good? Fair enough? Yeah, cool. Poor guy. He had to read that Bible. As you're turning to Daniel chapter 3, um, quick side note. Um, I do a lot of those. Public speaking is like, people are more scared of public speaking than like sharks, tornadoes, and dying. Did you know that? Very scary stuff. For some of us, though, we're just total freaks. I can't do anything else. I can do this, though. I don't know. So good, dude. All right. So Daniel chapter 3. Um, I'm going to start reading. Follow along with me if you'd like. All right, here we go. It says this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. It was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Quick side note here, college students. If you want to get Mobetta at reading your Bible, here's a tip. If you're ever reading and there's a lot of, um, there's a list like this, and then it's repeated. So why, it's going to list out the instruments. The reason it does that to, is it to, let, to let you know that it's like all the instruments. This is like all the people, okay? This is like all, it's not just like, oh, and just like a, a few people from the town. It'd be like, um, oh gosh, if you're doing, um, you know, we're doing the summit of all the high schools in the Conejo Valley and Simi Valley. And you were like, okay, let's get them all together. And it was like, and you went and it was like uh, two kids from like Santa Susana High School and like a kid from Royal. And it's like, this is like nothing. Um, it was like, no, it's like all the teachers and the administrators and the yard duties and everybody from every single school everywhere came together. It's the same thing. So it's everybody and it repeats it. So you get everybody. Nobody was excluded. Okay. Love you guys. Verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, wish I had a herald, 
This is what you are commanded to do. O peoples, nations, and men of every language, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Oh, that's pretty harsh. Verse 7, therefore, and here's our repetition again, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Okay, here we go. They said this. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Brown nosing. You have issued a decree, O king. That everyone who hears the sound, here we go, of our list, of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. <clears throat> Seems fair. But there are some Jews, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's pause right there again. Now, just to, to catch us up in the text here. So do you see that the tension that's building is this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been promoted. Okay, They're not just like, oh God, in my closet of prayer and stuff. They are awesome at their job. Okay, So that's another thing. Be awesome at your jobs. That's just kind of a freebie. But they're awesome at their jobs and were promoted. That is why they are targeted. <clears throat> so they're being awesome. The king knows they're awesome. And their coworkers are trying to take them down, get these guys out of here. They want to they wanna be in their position. Let's do this thing. Verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harps, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I, uh, I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? This is great. Let's stop right here again. You notice lowercase g. Got to get inside Nebuchadnezzar's headspace. He's like, listen, I'm the best. The gods have chosen me. Marduk, the chief god, has chosen me. I am the king. I am the best. You are losers, and you worship me. Okay? And he goes, what God can, can, you know, what God can, can save you? Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're sitting there like, oh gosh, what have we done, right? Um, <laughs> dude, I knew we should have just kept our head down and eaten the meat in the beginning of chapter one. All right, but they didn't. All right, they're here. And it's time for Blazing Furnace. And, and literally, okay, and this is the fun part. I was prepping this message, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, things are heating up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then I was like, oh, then it gets worse. It gets worse. You ready for this? You ready for this? I was like, if they don't do their job, they're going to get fired. I'm going to be a dad at the end of April. I'm just warming up. Oh, I'm warming up. Oh, I didn't even mean that one. Oh, gosh. And we actually, we had a fire reference in the worship set this morning, I think. It was awesome. Anyway, somebody somebody else planned that. (laughs) That was awesome. So good. All right. So verse 16, verse 16. Oh, man. So funny. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not... We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And if they were holding a microphone, they would have dropped it. 
That's pretty, like, that's pretty heavy, right? They're just standing there like, we're not going to do this. And let's see what happens. He goes, oh, you're right. You know what? Yeah, you don't have to. You know what, guys? I know there was uh, optional overtime I was going to have you do. That's fine. You can, you can continue going uh, to Soma Sunday night and go to your life group whenever night that is. No, you, you don't need to work more hours. No, he doesn't. Just like any boss would. He does this. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded, oh, that's pretty high, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, that's all their clothes. Again, see the list. Daniel left the list for some reason. All their clothes, they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Hey, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. Now, quick side note, I'm sure they had probably always said that. Continuing on. Anyway, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Oh, look at that. That's a title right there. That's capitalized. Servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the, oh, that's our leather list. And the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors uh, crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God, capital G, that's our God, God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, I love it, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Awesome. So good. Now here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. In our story, they're willing to die, okay? Literally be thrown into a furnace. They had confidence that God would save them, which God did. But, remember what they said, but they said, but even if God doesn't save us, we're never going to bow down. We'll burn up for our God, okay? So we see here that's demonstrated is their tremendous loyalty. And in fact, um, I think we can do another slide. Maybe there's a fill-in. This is good. In order to influence our culture, back to our first question, we must be willing to suffer for the name of God. You have to be willing to suffer. And the reason I use the term name of God, it's his reputation. You have to be willing to suffer for his rep. Um, The reality is this. The reality is this. It's like reputation is key. And uh, I would say even God's reputation is key. Does he need us to defend him? No, he doesn't need us to defend him. However... However, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are literally li- willing to die in a fire for God's reputation. That's it. They're that loyal. The image I often think about is, is this. If you ever had um, that one friend, um, and I'm, I'll be, let's be honest here, they're probably the annoying friend, okay? And they, they've been your friend for years, right? But um, they're your friend, and uh, in your group, they tend to maybe exclude that friend, right? They're never on the group text. Um, oh, sad stuff. Um, 
how can I tell if you're actually that person's friend, if you're loyal to that person? If you're up on a Saturday night or whatever, or after Soma, you're like, hey, where's everybody going for dinner? And it's like, hey, let's go. Hey, we're going to do this. And they're like, oh, we're going to do this thing instead. And you're like, well, I'm going with this guy because I said I would. Loyalty. That proves you're actually friends with the person. It's the same thing with God. Same thing with God. Are you loyal? It's loyalty. So what we see in their story is they are, they're loyal enough to die, okay? To die. Um, I think for us and our context and our culture right now, probably won't be asked of you. You probably won't be asked to die in a fiery furnace. However, you will be asked to do other things. If you're not working at Chick-fil-A, you're going to be asked to do optional overtime. That's always. And it will never be as clear ask. It will always be a super guilty ask. You know, so I don't know who's going to, um, I don't know who's going to close uh, the thing of the thing. And, uh, you know, if only had a shift leader who could do that, right? And, um, oh gosh, uh, I'm going to use my wife as an example. So she's working at California Pizza Kitchen. We both worked there for a lot of years. Um, great food, awesome place. Um, but she, for a time, worked for a really sort of vindictive, evil God. Jesus died for her. Woman needs lots of grace. And, um, and she would always just guilt Mel all the time, all the time, all the time. She's like, are you all in? Are you all in? And literally, she's like, I'm working off the clock for this lady. And for, for Mel, her thing was like, I can't work off the clock anymore. First of all, that's stupid. And the other thing um, that happened, too, is like, we, for us, we really valued, we need to get to church every week, and we need to be part of, at our church, it was called community groups. And it's just a few years ago, by the way. It never goes away. Um, so we need to be a part of those things. We need to adjust our schedule to do that, to really, to feel like, man, we're honoring God with our time. And... Um, and so basically this wonderful general manager was always like sort of like, well, you know, <clears throat> you, you know if you ever want to move up in this company, you're going to, you know, you have to prove that you're all in. You're going to have to bow down to my image in a sense. Okay. And the reality is um, Mel didn't, which was awesome. And the other reality too in this situation, and which is the truth of this passage, is the manager didn't really have control over that anyway. And she was also... Um, a difficult personality. And, and we see in this story, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's king, right? And he is. But the reality that we get from Daniel, if you read all the way through, is you'd see that, no, God sets up kings and he puts down kings and God moves the pieces. He's the king of kings. Hallelujah. You've heard that before, right? <clears throat> so it's an awesome thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. So, which leads us to our next part, which is this, a key question. And it's on, it's on your slide, I think. The key question is this. Where is your area of influence? Where's your area of influence? For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their area of influence was literally being the representatives of God's people forever enshrined in the book of Daniel. Okay, pretty crazy. And again, as a side note, we only have four guys in the whole book of Daniel who are willing to be um, faithful to God, willing to be loyal to God, and willing to suffer and even die for God. God's reputation, even. Pretty awesome. Where's your area of influence? Um, this is, uh, for you guys, this is, you're going to really have to work this out. Because the reality is, a lot of people would say, I would die for God. I would die for you. Um, a lot of guys say that about when they get married. Baby, I'd die for you. Right? But it's like, I just want you to take out the trash and like um, put your clothes in the hamper. I can't be bothered with that. I'm busy dying for you. It's like, well, that's not true. Okay. It's like the little tiny things every day. Um, so for you, okay, um, and, and I'll say for you, for some of you, and definitely for me, um, it's, it comes down to the way I treat other people a lot of the time. Um, 
you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there's that one friend you always exclude. That I wasn't, at times I was a one friend, but then as soon as I wasn't that one friend, I was easily the guy trying to exclude the guy so I could stay in the group. Please don't kick me out of the group. Um, yeah, I have deep-seated issues. It's bad. But, so for me, it, that's kind of where it cashes out. Okay? So my suffering for the name of God, suffering for the reputation of God, suffering for God is literally just, like, am I willing to be excluded from like going to Fridays with that group of kids for whatever, basically. Um, for some of you guys, um, uh, and actually all of you, as you enter the workforce, if you're not there already, um, this is where it gets, this is where there's a tension introduced. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. Um, and actually, let's go to the next slide and we'll talk about this. The yeah, but, here we go. Yeah, but no one cares what I have to say. Pursue excellence. So write that in there. All right. And I mentioned this earlier. But there's a tension here where if you're really awesome, um, you're going to be targeted more. Okay? You're going to be asked to work more and harder and on more difficult projects, which is awesome. You should be. You should be the best darn employee you can. If you went to adult service uh, this weekend, uh, Pastor Yearly out there, Michael got up and he was like, um, you know, are you a giver or a taker? Do you add, when you at your workplace, do you add value? That's the question here. Are you adding value? You should be. I would even say, um, yeah, man, that's like really important for Christians to do. You want to add value. You want to you want to pursue excellence at school. You want to pursue excellence in your um, home life, which can be hard. You want to pursue excellence uh, certainly at work. And so, but this will introduce the tension of, but I must remain loyal to God. And, um, you know, some people will tell you, you know, you know, it's not about, hey, it's not about just going to church every week. Um, being in church is, uh, uh, being in church, what is it? Being in church is, uh, and calling you a Christian is like the same thing as you being in a parking lot and calling you a car. And it's like, sure, but I am a Christian and I need to gather every week. So I'm going to get my butt to the weekly gathering called church. Okay. So, um, so, but some of you guys are like, oh, I'm at everything at church. And no one ever challenges my faith or my beliefs. They don't even want, they don't even care what you have to say. You need to pursue excellence. Some of you guys. All right. The next thing is this. Number two. The yeah, but. Yeah, but this. I hear this a lot. I don't want people to know that I'm a Christian. Now, maybe not you guys, um, but I've had friends who've said this to me, Christian Awesome Christian guys, um, and uh, they're basically, uh, they kind of got themselves on a track where, um, you know, they, if anybody, no one would know that they're a Christian unless they, like, asked them, right? Um, their lifestyle's not reflecting, you know, an obedience or a growing love and admiration for Jesus. And so they say, it's better if people don't know. It's better if people don't know I'm a Christian because I'm just going to reflect poorly on, on God and say, I would say this, pursue integrity, uh, pursue integrity. Um, the reality is this, um, if you're just kind of keeping your head low, um, you're not, you know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in, literally in the Bible. Bam! And they had a huge impact on their culture. They literally influenced the king of Babylon, with their, literally with their lifestyle and being willing to suffer for God. If you're just trying to keep your head down, um, you will never have those opportunities. You'll never face a challenge, so if you want an easy life, then keep your head low, don't let anybody know you're Christian. But if you... Um, if you want, I would say, a life of purpose and meaning, and you want some, I don't know, you want to look at the, your week and be like, you know, it was hard this week, but like, I did some good work this week, you know. Um, you know, I felt like, yeah, God used me. That was awesome. Uh, I feel a little beat up. Like, don't keep your head down. Pursue integrity. You're Christian, Christian here, Christian anywhere. Um, you know, and honestly, you're, you've, if you've grown up in church, you've heard this 
probably a lot, but it, it's like as simple as the way you talk, the words you use. Um, uh, I want to say cussing. Uh, there's a certain way that guys talk um, in, you know, most, certainly most blue collar jobs, but most jobs in general and just the way guys talk, period. A lot of cussing. Um, the cussing, honestly, it, uh, don't quote me on this podcast, but um, the cussing, honestly, eh, is that big of a deal? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, words are just words. It's really more what they mean. However, uh, I will say this, guys are really good at um, uh, putting each other down and also objectifying women. So if you find yourself in a, a workplace environment with those kinds of uh, gentlemen, um, literally for you, you having, like, have integrity. Don't join in with that. Um, you know, uh, ladies, for you guys, um, and this is guys too, we, we do this as well, but ladies, what, in my conversations with my wife, there we go, she shared with me that a lot of women experience um, just rampant comparison all the time, and you guys never cut each other any slack. Okay. Um, so I would say, you know, if you find yourself in that situation where you kind of look back at your day, and you're like, man, I work today, nobody knew, and I think about what I said, how I acted, nobody would even think I'm a Christian. And also, I don't think, I want them to know. Um, pursue integrity. Pursue integrity. You know, bring that kind of stuff up with uh, people in your life group. And let me cap it off with this um, little slide. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, God doesn't need defending, but he leverages our loyalty, okay? God doesn't need defending. He really doesn't. Have you heard of uh, apologetics? It's a defense, reasoned uh, defense of our faith, okay? He doesn't need apologetics. He doesn't. He doesn't need apologists. doesn't need them. Um, doesn't, ain't no thing. He can do whatever he wants. But he chooses, to use, he chooses to use us, and he leverages our loyalty. So, with that said, let me just sum it all up for you guys. Wrap it up in one word. Word is loyalty. Just remain loyal to God. Remain loyal. And um, the reality is this. Um, how cool would it be if you came on Sunday nights, and uh, the, uh, the people sitting next to you, you could count on them, um, have you ever seen, like, I don't know, Saving Private Ryan or, um, oh gosh, Band of Brothers or something like that? Um, these are war movies. And um, you ever, or even just heard of, like, you know, guys having, like, a bond that forms the fraternity, the brotherhood of war, and um, that kind of a thing. Um, the, reason, uh, the reason they have this, this bond of fraternity is because they've gone through the same struggle, right? Um, they've protected one another. Okay, they've, um, you know, they've literally bled and suffered and died for the same cause. What if it was like that with us? What if every week you came back in and yeah, you were beat up from work and you're like, dude, I got freaking wrung out by my boss this week. Um, because, you know, um, I've, been, I've been working super hard and they were trying to guilt me into doing this project or work these extra hours or whatever. And I said, hey, I, you know, I will work any other time. I'll work Sunday morning, whatever. I need to be at Soma or whatever it is. I, I, need, I need this time. Um, and that's really important to me. Um, you know, what if you came in and... Um, it was, hey, yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, I finally tr- kind of, like, tried to clean up the way I talked around the guys at work, and, um, and it sounds like I'm back in middle school, but they didn't eat lunch with me. Because <laughs> guess what? That's a, you know this. That stuff doesn't really change. People are people 12 years old, 92 years old. They're all the same. But what if you came back in and you're beat up, and you were you beat up because you were called the cause, and you were loyal, and you just suffered in those little tiny cuts all week long? Man, how great would that be? Because you know that you could lean on the person next to you. You know you could. You could trust them because you both called the same thing. Um, you both know that God leverages your loyalty. And you both know that 
hey, whatever it takes, we will both together, we'll suffer. If, if they said, we're going to throw you in a furnace, we'd go into the furnace together. How awesome would that be? Let me pray for you guys. Father, uh, thanks for these students being here. God, I, I thank you for the awesome worship band that will make its way up. Um, God, I ask that uh, we would be uh, loyal, um, loyal to you, God. Uh, Lord, I ask that we would be, um, we'd be, we'd be willing to do the, the, the sort of hard concentration work um, and, the, and the honest work of uh, examining our hearts and letting you examine our hearts, God. Lord, I ask that you would show us those little tiny ways um, where we are disloyal to you and the call you put on our life, God. Lord, let us uh, truly understand that uh, to transform the culture at large, God, and the people around us, that, um, Lord, we don't need to be holier than thou, but we just need to be loyal to you, God. The loyalty just speaks volumes. God, I ask also that we would uh, be people that support one another as, um, as we pursue that loyalty. Lord, I ask that uh, we be people that pursue excellence so we would be tested in our faith, God. We wouldn't just uh, scoot through or skate through college or work or whatever with our head down. Lord, but we would be, um, God, I would even say, um, oh, Lord, please don't. Oh, well, I'll ask anyway. Lord, uh, make us targets in a sense uh, because we're excelling in whatever area we are and uh, we're remaining faithful to you, God, and we're living a life of integrity. Amen.